This is an Area Code podcast. And that's the theme of this section is pay them. And let's attack something on that. Pay them and respect them. If you're one of those men that says all that dumb shit and brings up scrimmages where they lost to like a 16, a team full of like 16 year olds, it was a fucking scrimmage. What'd you expect them to be like? Why are you surprised by that? That happens all the time in every sport, every gender. So 10 out of 10, pay them, also, respect them. Also, don't be one of those people that are like, oh man, like I could beat no, them. No, you couldn't. They would fucking destroy you. Yeah. Like, don't be one of those yeah. people. I don't I don't know how one-on-one soccer goes, but I love whenever I saw that happening with like WNBA players yeah, or even like, like, yeah, or even sure. like college players. Yeah. Or even I've seen it with like softball pitchers and things like that. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like. You, if you're listening to this podcast, you have zero chance hitting a softball pitch like by a collegiate player. Like, I'm not even yeah. saying professional. I'm saying a collegiate softball player. You zero chance. This is Food for the Game, the sports podcast where we talk about our feelings. I'm Nick. And I'm Noah. And on Feel for the Game, we talk about moments in sports history in terms of how they made us feel, what they made us think, and if they changed the way we view life in general. Today, I'm really nervous, but we're going to try to talk about the U.S. women's national soccer team and their 2019 World Cup championship. Is it championship? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't it be? I don't know. NBA Finals. Yeah, but they're, NBA, final. but they're NBA champions when they win it. Okay. World world yeah. champions. Yeah. World champions. They're world champions. U.S. women national team yeah. for the fourth time, I think. So they have four stars on their crest. They have plenty more stars in their team. See what I did there? Oh, look at that little turn of phrase. That was cute. Um, yeah, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Just, just we need to, I'm, I feel the need to state... A disclaimer. We are both dudes. We do. We are admittedly out of our depths a little bit talking about the women's national soccer team and some of the sort of things that we'll get into later. We're, we're out of our depths. Understand that as you listen to this episode. Don't send us hate mail. Don't shit talk us on social media. Just know that we are trying to handle the situation gracefully. I feel like you're framing this as if we're about to have a really a lot of controversial opinions. And that's to be very upfront. The people that we would be worried about shit talking us are people who disagree with the women's team. Oh, let me let me let me okay, rewind. Let me take yeah, a step back. I, I'm, I'm actually I'm disclaimer actually, on the disclaimer. I'm actually not worried about a f- the people that are gonna be offended by us taking the side of the women's national team. Mm-hmm. I am more concerned with trying to be an ally mm. to to women um in and doing that in a way that is uh actually helpful. Yeah. Does and not just two men grandstanding saying look at us we're supporting yes. women. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let's talk let's talk women's national team 2019 World Cup. For let's just th- let's just like name some names. I mean there's this Megan Rapino. That's your big name right there. Who is married to, or maybe they're just dating Krieger or something? Allie Krieger. No, Megan Rapino is dating slash married to Subert. Subert. I'm sorry. Allie Krieger who is, is in a relationship with Ashton, Ashton Harris. Harris. Yeah. Yes. Shout out Subert. Her and the Seattle Storm just swept the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA Finals. As of this recording, that was last night. 
That's her fourth championship. They both have four championships now. Goats. Goats in the real right. Uh, Yeah, then you have uh, other big name would be Julie Ertz. There's so many. Married to Philadelphia Eagles tight end Zach Ertz. If you are a football fan, you might recognize that name. You got Kristen Press. You've got Tobin Heath. You've got Rose Lavelle. Abby Dalkemper. Ashlyn Harris. Carly Lloyd. Carly Lloyd. We didn't even get to Carly Lloyd. She's like she's like 80 years old, and she's still running that team. Balling. And, I mean, we haven't, honestly, in my opinion, we haven't said the name of the person that's probably the most popular. Mm, just, I would say Megan Rapino is the most popular. Alex Morgan might be number two. Sure. But Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan, who, just had a baby. shout out, just had a baby yeah. and was like playing soccer eight months pregnant. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I, there are videos of her practicing while pregnant, and that scared me. And Sydney, I don't, I didn't know you could do that. Sydney LaRue, former yeah. U.S. women's Crystal Dunn. soccer team. Well, I wanted to just say mm-hmm. Sydney LaRue has also been uh, documented as playing sports well, pregnant. eight months pregnant really? as well. So shout out to yeah. shout out to all the women <laughs> doing shit while you're making another human. Crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. You got Crystal Dunn on that team. I'm trying to think of any other people we've we've missed, but we named, we named a lot of Lindsay Horan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jill Ellis is the coach. She is hit or miss within the fan base. Some people did not <laughs> like Jill Ellis, but she's gone now. And not in a bad I mean you there are people a, people didn't love her, but she sure, won. And that was sure. probably more of the talent level on the field, not because she was a great coach. Anyway, there's the team. Yeah. That's the situation. They 2019, go, they win tw- the World Cup. 2019, they win the World Cup. They go, they, I mean, they go back to back, undefeated mm-hmm. in the group stage, mm-hmm. and also did not allow a team to score yeah. in the group and, stage. And one of those games in the group stage, they won 13 0. Yes. And that had a lot of people on fire. Yeah, it was it was a fun game. I actually remember watching that game. I was in the yeah. room that we're in right now, watching it on that TV that everybody can't see yeah. that's listening to this. Just imagine a TV in a room and you're there. Yeah. 13 goals while I was trying to work. Yeah. Let's just say I didn't do You didn't a lot get a lot of work, work done. Yes, yeah, so they did that. They go to the knockout stage, and their first game is against Spain, and they win 2-1. to one. And who has both of those goals? Megan Rapinoe. Yeah. Then she they go balled. on. She balled out. And they play France, where they win 2-1. to one. And who has both of those goals? Megan Rapinoe. <laughs> they get to England in the semifinals, and they're like, yo, Megan... Take a seat. You've been carrying us. Let's let someone else shine. Alex Morgan leads him to a two-one victory. Has a really we get the, famous, we get the like, iconic, yeah, sipping the tea, which yeah. a lot of people is that the same game? No, that's that's the game. Is that the game before or after we get the iconic Megan Rapinoe celebration? Rapinoe for well. sure does that. So she does that the like pose. I don't really right. know what else to call that. She does that for sure in the championship game against the Netherlands, which they won two nothing. She had right. a goal in that game. Rosalind had the other. She for sure does in that game. I feel like she may have done it I think prior she did to that it as prior well. Prior to that game, yeah. But yeah, Alex Morgan gives us the sipping the tea celebration that for some reason conservatives, because they hated sport, we're gonna talk about this later, hated the US women's national team. They were like, oh, she's mimicking that she's smoking weed. Which first off, who the hell cares? Secondly, very clearly not what yeah, she's doing. Y'all are looking for issues. It's legal in like 17 states. Get over it. Yeah. Press, Haran, lovely ball, Morgan! Fabulous goal! So that all happens. Let's get to that. We've set the stage for you. What did it mean for us personally? Let's just jump off, you know, jump into the deep end. Yeah. Should I go first? Yeah, go first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to just start talking and I'm going to trust that 
the people that hear this will uh, understand that there's a lot of nuance in life, a lot of gray in life, and that people won't hear what I'm about to say and think that I don't appreciate and love the place that I live, oh, being boy. America. I have struggled increasingly so to love this country and to be proud of this country and to be excited to say that I'm from here and all of the above, right? That has increasingly become difficult the older, the older I have gotten as again and again, it has been shown to me that the country that I live in does not value me and appreciate who I am as a, as a black man in the same way that I would see that played out for other people. So coming into 2019, I'm not high on America. We have a volatile To quote White Megan Rapino of the U.S. Women's National Team, we have a white nationalist in the White House. She yeah. said that in an interview with Vice. There is a white nationalist in the White House. Yeah. And she is correct. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is even, we're in 2020 right now, obviously. And we all know what's been going on in 2020. Crazy shit. Kind of feels like the apocalypse for a lot of reasons. But this is before even so much of what has happened in mm-hmm. 2020 has, has occurred, right? It's 2019. And what, what I'm trying to get at is that the, for me, the 2019 Women's World Cup was and still is a bright spot in my sense of nationalism or, my, the, or, or the pride that I have in, in the place that I live. Soccer in, in particular hasn't been one of the main sports that I've followed all my life, but anytime the World Cup comes around, men's, women's, I'm always into it. I'm always watching and rooting for the U.S. national team. And I mean, expectations were really high for the team. A lot of people expected them to win and they went out and and did that. Mm-hmm. And as a a fan of soccer, as a fan of the team, it was it was really refreshing, I guess, to be able to see a group of women who are so talented and so skilled at their profession go out and play as hard as they did and accomplish as much as they accomplished and be completely themselves in the mm-hmm. process. Like they, and we'll talk about it later, but yeah. they, they just didn't back down from who they were, what they value, what mattered to them uh, on and off the, on and off the soccer field. And for me, that, that gave me a sense of pride that I don't often have for America. It was the most excited I've been to be from America <laughs> That I that I felt in a long time. Yeah. And and honestly, it's like the thing that I come back to when I think about being excited about this country. Like it's a memory that I often go back to and say, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things to be excited about. And I, I kind of see that exemplified in the women's national team. That idea will be interesting to talk about, too, as we get go to culture here in a bit. Uh, that idea of pride in our country and how there is a bit of a flip in our nation during this World Cup, which we'll explain that here in a bit. Uh, for me, uh, personally, this is just really fun. This was uh, my first time watching the World Cup with my wife. We had been married. I'm sorry, my wife. Uh, at that point, we'd only been married maybe five months or so, but she, like the way I am with Kansas, that's how she is with the women's national team. Like Growing up, she played soccer in high school. 
Those were her heroes. That was her favorite team. It's like this is the. I mean, she she goes all out for friendlies. So the World Cup obviously is huge. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting. Like that was a, a nice like bonding experience to be able to watch. Like she she's watched so many of my favorite sporting moments or sporting teams. And it was just cool to like see her be the one that's like all out and like focused in on it. And uh, yeah, it was just, that's just a fun thing to get to experience with, uh, with your, I don't want to say spouse with your partner. Uh, and like we went up to Chicago, they had a big watch party, but it was at a big park and they had like Landon Donovan was there and they had like this giant screen. And I think we watched the, Guys, Noah is, he's never been to a city, so this is a huge deal. I le- that was like, the, I shit you not. I've lived like two and a half hours away from Chicago my entire life. That was probably like the sixth time I've been to Chicago. <laughs> anyway, so we're like, we go there. Like, that was really fun. I believe we did that for the England game. Um, actually, no, we, and we watched one of the group stage games outside of Wrigley. So I actually went up to Chicago twice during this World Cup to watch them. Like the official U.S. Women's National Team watch party. They had them in like, you know, maybe eight other cities. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. Uh, but again, like it was me and my wife, my wife and my in-laws who are also big fans of the team, mainly because Christy, yeah. you know, is such a big fan. They, they've kind of trailed on with her. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, watching it just from a personal standpoint was more of a, I think I would have been interested in them as people and as a team were she not such a big fan, but it would have just been like, Oh, Hey, like they play, like, let me, I want to have this on, you know, whatever, because she's such a big fan. It was like a vested interest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, actually watch the game, you know, whereas like when Kansas is playing, she lets me watch it and then she scrolls through her phone, which is what I would have done normally. Probably I would have had the game on, but been reading a book or something while it was on in the background. So, that's a odd say. So it's, it's weird. Like it's, it's, it is personal to me, but only because of my association with someone else to whom yeah. it was very personal. What what was it like to watch her watch them win? Yeah. I mean, if that makes sense, I don't know if I have an answer to that because, because of her, I was so invested that I wasn't <laughs> paying attention to her. Like I, it wasn't like, Oh, they're about to win. Let me get my camera out to get her reaction. <laughs> Cause I was reacting the same way. Like she, sure. she had brought me along to become such a big fan where I was focused on them winning. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember where we were for the, I'm wondering actually if we were there for the championship. We actually, I think we were actually, I said the England game, we were there for the championship against Netherlands. Mm. And then that was the one at the park. And then Wrigley, we were there for like a group stage game. Okay. So I wasn't focused on like, how are you going to react? Because that, you know, final, I almost said buzzer. That's not what it is in soccer, but the game was over and the entire place erupted. Sure. Which is just a cool, you know, now that we're in a COVID world, you can't even imagine being in that situation. But yeah, that's where I'm at with the, the personal side of things, which, like I said, that sounds kind of weird because it, it became personal for me because of my association with someone to whom it was very personal. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would say this was like a seven, I would say. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go like a nine out of 10. I actually. Ooh, yeah, spicy. It was a big deal. Man. Yeah, like, for sure. I, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. feel very patriotic oftentimes. And so to to feel that sense of pride that a lot of people feel all the time, it was cool. It was a cool mm-hmm. experience. So yeah, cool. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. So let's jump into culture then. We got a couple things we want to talk about here. Again, we are not professionals. We are not anthropologists. We are not. 
Like, this is just our observations on things. Let's talk about this first, because this ties in most closely to what you were talking about, about, you know, feeling at home or, you know, feeling some pride in your country. The women's national team, like you said, very outspoken about a lot of things, whether that's equal pay, which we'll talk about soon, or just the state of our country, which Nick was talking about. Um, Megan Rapino, probably the most outspoken. No probably about that, actually. She was the most outspoken. Uh, and one of the things that had happened was, I don't know if this was before the World Cup started or if it was maybe during the knockout stage, but there was an interview that came out where the person asked her something along the lines of, you know, are you going to the White House? Are you excited to go to the White House? Are you going to go to the White House? Whatever. And she responds with... I'm not going to the fucking White House. No, I'm not going to the White House. That's, okay. We're not going to be invited. You're not going to be invited? I doubt it. And that drew the ire of everyone who is conservative. Are like, you... Are you going to use the word ire in every podcast episode? Dude, I actually thought about that. that I kind of want to slip something like that in as like a little Easter egg. <laughs> so that drew the ire of every conservative in the world, essentially, who, including uh, the big boss man himself, Donald Trump, who said on Twitter, as if I needed to explain that, of course he said it on Twitter, to Rapino, oh, I like them. I like her. But she's got to go out and prove it. As if they weren't going to fucking go out and prove he, it. He said verbatim, Megan should win first before she talks. Yeah. Finish the job. Yeah. To In response to her saying that she wouldn't go to the White House, of course, they went on and finished the job. And what's funny and interesting to me about this is that it were people like Nick and uh, to a different extent and probably a lesser extent myself the women's team is made up of a lot of people in the LGBTQ community and a lot of the fans of the women's team might find themselves in that community as well. People who like Nick don't really find a lot of comfort in where they're from. There's nothing to be proud. America isn't something for them to be proud of because it's never treated them in such a way to instill that respect, you know? Uh, and suddenly when the women's national team are playing, those people have a lot of pride in their country or at least in their country's team. And out of nowhere, all these uber constitutional, this is all in heavy, sarcastic air quotes, all these uber patriotic, constitutional loving people are essentially shitting on America's team. They're like, no, I want England to win. I want France to win. And it's like, you're out here talking about America first and all this shit. And then as soon as someone disagrees with you, you turn your back on them. But like, what makes, why people like you, Nick, and people maybe like that are fans of theirs that feel alienated or disillusioned with the country. Part of the reason they are able to love this team so much is that as a team, they represent what is supposed to make America so great. It is made up of people of different, you know, beliefs. There are Christians on the team. There are atheists on the team. There are uh, people in the LGBTQ community on there, but they're all getting along together, working towards a common goal. And any other thing you can talk, there are white people, there are black people, there are uh, Latinx people. And they're all working together towards this common goal. That, that, that is the ideal that so many people in America who are proud of this country think America is. But it isn't. They are the distillation of what it should be. But they don't like that because it's different from what they're used to. Well, and to add to that. That was very confusing. That was like a word vomit. You know what I'm trying to say, but I got really worked up. Well, and to add to that, they are representing what America has 
sort of said that they're about too, which is this idea that it's good to push back and to speak out mm-hmm. against things that are wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if that were not true, we would be in a dictatorship, which we're pretty damn close yeah. to. Oh. Check back uh, in November. <laughs> Uh, but like they also it, to came that that team stood in unity together and said like no we're gonna support each other and speak up against the ways that we feel marginalized and taken advantage of and unappreciated and undervalued as a team and as individuals outside of soccer and yeah like you said the pushback is that people people people's idea of patriotism and nationalism is actually very far removed from what that actually should look like. Mm -hmm. What that actually should look like is being able to be excited and have pride for the place you live, but to also at the same time, be able to point out the areas that it needs to improve and grow. Yeah. Like the Patriots that we see today are so focused on how America is or used to be. And they can't imagine a society that looks different because to them, that's not American. Yeah. But true America, like to be actually patriotic in this country, which I don't give a shit about, but like to actually be that would be to say, oh, this country is broken in these areas. We need to fix it. Exactly. We're not a political podcast, though. Every if you listen to every other episode of this podcast, you would say differently because politics have come up every single time. Yeah, they have. But rightfully so. When we're talking about the women's national team, I mean, it's the team represents the country mm-hmm. in the 2019 World Cup. The, the rest of the world got to see America represented through those women. Mm-hmm. And I think that matters so much. Sure. And what they saw were women who are extremely talented at their craft and completely professional. They saw women who are willing to use their voice to speak out against things that need to be uh, addressed. Mm-hmm. They saw and they and they saw a level of like community within that that team that I think is sort of unprecedented, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is a there is a a sense of camaraderie on the U.S. Women's National Team that is uncommon mm-hmm. in, in a lot of sports. Yeah, um, you to, don't see that very often. To know what he's talking about, go to literally any of their Instagram and see how they talk to each other in the comments and stuff. Like you you don't really see that. Mm. Yeah, in other yeah other situations, how they celebrate it together. How like mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a very unique. It was a very unique team mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But, yeah, so the other thing with the culture was throughout, I mean, and this has been uh, this argument or this debate, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but this situation has been around for a long time. It was brought back to the forefront with the women because they were very vocal about equal pay, that they should be making as much as the men's national team. Who they are significantly so, yes. better than, have yes. had more success than. Yes, yes, exactly. And of course, all the detractors on Twitter and stuff would say, we'll put them on the field together and see what happens. Get the fuck out of here. But like we said last week, you know, we, we t- brought up very briefly, like the salary cap in the NBA and everything. We don't really understand all of that. We know that they're, you know, so, so more background here would be that they ended up suing the U.S. Soccer Federation. The U.S. Soccer Federation. Yeah, the USSF. They ended up suing them. Uh, there has been some setbacks in that trial based off of the collective bargaining agreement, the CBA that they signed as opposed to the CBA that the men's team signed. Um, We don't really understand all of that. Like just straight up. That's not our expertise. So we're not, we we don't want to dive too deep into that, but 
that that was that that topic of conversation was brought back up because of the women's national team, and it it's really still has controlled a lot of the narrative around women's sports. Whether it's the WNBA right now, you have other women's soccer team. You know, a lot of these women's uh, women's team players have just left the NWSL to go over to England to play in the Premier League, uh, which I actually just saw that. I think it was Press and Heath. Man, Manchester United. Had yeah. the highest selling MU jerseys over the week or month or something. Anyway. Including the male team. Yeah. yeah. Male and females. Yeah. Yeah. All that to say, like this should go without saying. It's 2020. Pay women what you would pay men. That should not be hard to understand. The USSF needs to figure that out. Uh, there was an interesting, I think it was in the Washington Post. They said something about how the United States is using their sexism at the World Cup level or at FIFA level, and they're using that as justification for why they're essentially being sexist towards their own women. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, it's an international thing. FIFA needs to get that shit figured out as well. But the least that the United States can do for the women is to pay them what they are actually deserving of, which would be, at the very least, the same that the men are making because they're putting out higher-quality soccer they're winning the tournaments that the men aren't even qualifying for. They have the, I mean, this is brand culture. They have the marketing right now. I can't name one player on the men's national team outside of Kristen Pulisic. And I don't know if any marketing that he has, but I can see Megan repeat, like her and Sue Bird are on that, on a commercial right now. That's been on ESPN throughout the finals. Uh, I've seen Rose Lavelle and Julie Ertz and Carly Lloyd have ads on Twitter and Instagram. They are the face of United States soccer, yet they're being paid so much less than their male counterparts. Yeah. We don't know all the ins and outs of all that stuff, but we know that that's wrong. Say less. I have nothing. I have nothing to add. Uh, <laughs> Rank to, it. To, yeah. Uh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me in terms yeah. of cultural impact. They, I mean, they, 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 again, they represented the freaking country. Like the, how, how much more can you matter to, the American culture than to be the exact representation mm-hmm. of America for a couple weeks out of, out of the yeah. year. So, yeah, that's my, my, my wife's, uh, like favorite shirt is. So at one point I don't, and I don't remember if this is in the world cup either. One of, they all came out with their jerseys inside out. And that was like kind of a little, Hey, like you need to, pay us essentially but you know just like a little form of protest yeah. for lack of a better word um and christy has a shirt that it looks like it's turned inside out and says pay them on it and that's the theme of this section is pay them and let's it, tack something on that pay them and respect them if you're one of those men that says all that dumb shit and brings up scrimmages where they lost to like a 16 a team full of like 16 year olds it was a fucking scrimmage would you expect them to be like why are you surprised by that that happens all the time in every sport, every gender. So 10 out of 10, pay them, also, respect them. Also, don't be one of those people that are like, oh man, like I could beat no, them. No, you couldn't. They would fucking destroy you. Yeah. Like, don't be one of those yeah. people. I don't, I don't know how one-on-one soccer goes, but I love whenever I saw that happening with like WNBA players yeah, or even like, like, yeah, or even sure. like college players. Yeah. Or even or, I've seen it with like softball pitchers and things like oh, that. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like. You, if you're listening to this podcast, you have zero chance hitting a softball pitch, like by a collegiate player. Like, I'm not even yeah. saying professional. I'm saying a collegiate softball player. You Zero chance. Let's move on. Sport, how to impact the sport. 
I mean, it, it put it's it's putting women's sports on the map mm-hmm. uh, and not just soccer. I think soccer is sort of the, the leader in terms of women's sports. Soccer is very much the leader on the forefront of, of popularity and impact. But I think in general, it's just putting women's sports on the map. Like, uh, how, I mean, there's so many uh, women athletes right now that are huge deals. And, and to your point, um, have all these marketing opportunities, have, you know, huge fan bases, jersey sales, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it largely started with the U.S. women's national team, even dating back to the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Like U.S. soccer has really been pivotal for women's sports growing Mm -hmm. and being at the level that they're at right now. Like we're talking about, uh, you mentioned the WNBA championship just happened yesterday. Like there are so many WNBA players that have gobs of success right now and, and significantly more money than they they could have made years ago. And there's just, there's so much forward movement Mm -hmm. in terms of respect for women athletes and understanding of their value. And I think, yeah, I mean, it dates back to the 90s with the, the women's national team then and and even the success that we've seen in the 2010s, right, with the with the national team. So, yeah, I mean, just putting putting women's sports on the map, I think is the big, big way that it's impacted the sport mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And, and the National Women's Soccer League is becoming more established and mm-hmm. slowly growing. I think it's going to take some time, but I think eventually it'll get to the point where the WNBA is right now. Um, and obviously the WNBA still has a lot of room mm-hmm. to, to grow and expand and to get bigger. But the growth that the WNBA has seen from, uh, you know, back in the nineties when it started mm-hmm. to, to now is, is huge. And I think in a lot of ways, the, the women's soccer league in the, in the U S will sort of have that similar yeah. trajectory. Uh, everything Nick just said is absolutely true. We're seeing it even internationally. Um, yeah, the, they're they're helping just the yeah the rise of women's sports everything he said is true i don't need to add on to it i don't think i have anything to add uh except for depending on how this lawsuit goes they could even have a larger impact on specifically soccer not necessarily women's sports as a whole but uh i don't know if i'm gonna go eight out of ten on how they're affecting sports i'm going six out of ten because i want to see the average sports fan be more interested in women's yeah. sports. I think there are a lot of people who are, it's becoming more of a, a thing that they watch and mm-hmm. pay attention to. But I think how cool would it be for women's sports to make just as many headlines yeah. on a daily basis as the NFL yeah. and MLB and all these other major mm-hmm. men's sports, right? One thing, it's definitely a media perspective. Like, that's part of it. But also, if you're one of those guys that's like, well, that's because nobody watches women's sports. A, you're wrong. B, fucking start watching it. They're yeah. great. Like, yeah. there's a uh, a sports writer that I follow on Twitter named uh, Natalie Weiner or Weiner. I'm not really sure which way to pronounce it. But I think of, like, multiple times where she has tweeted something, you know, maybe she's covering a game and she's taking a picture of, like, the stadium and it's full, like, just packed. And she's like, oh, but nobody watches women's sports. Or like Sabrina Ionescu gets drafted by the New York Liberty. And like within minutes, her jersey is sold out because for some reason, Nike didn't realize that she was that popular. That, no, that market is out there. We're just being told by people who are louder that it's not 
don't listen to that. Watch it. Support it. It's great. Like yeah. the WNBA was finals were great, even though Seattle swept them. Like it was still really fun to watch. Uh, the NWSL. My wife and I watched that. Uh, try to watch it often. They, of course, because it's, they're getting the shaft into like deals where it's like, oh, only on this random channel that you've never heard of at seven thirty in the morning. It's like, what the fuck's that all about? Yeah. But that's the moral of the story of this episode. This was this, this was a little bit of a intense episode. Um, I'm not going to apologize for that, <laughs> but that's kind of yeah what you get when you talk about the women's national team and sort of the more serious issues that mm-hmm. they had to deal with, still are dealing with, and uh, that our country is really just trying to figure out um, from a political perspective, from a uh, gender perspective. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much, so much real conversation to be had about that stuff. And that's just how it is right yep. now. So, so that leaves us with overall 49 out of 60. I had a 25 out of 30. You had 24 out of 30. Highest score since COVID. Probably. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So second overall. Hey, and I didn't mention uh, crudes until just now. Until just now. Now, now we get to put it in the episode description. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Forty nine out of sixty. Maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. Tell us one way or the other on Twitter or Instagram or uh, any other way you can concoct it. Those are the two easiest ways. I wouldn't suggest anything else because it probably won't get to us. So there's that. So we always end with. Uh, so we have been doing it with songs. Uh, last week we did just specifically a lyric this week I'm going to do just a quote from a book you know that, that like kind of sums up what I think how we think about the women's national team to an extent obviously this isn't all encompassing it comes from the book Nightwood by Juna Barnes which is kind of a staple of lesbian literature and for a lot of you listening that's your first time realizing that that is like a genre it is there's a genre for literally every subset of people uh written like the 1920s and it's got like really every aspect of the lgbtq community is represented within this book that was like at this point almost 100 years old it's way ahead of its time uh before i read the quote it's it's in response to a person asking the character why they talk so much i'm not using this quote saying that the women talk too much i want them to continue speaking out but the quote is I talk too much because I have been made so miserable by what you are keeping hushed. That's a, that's a word. Amen. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not exactly, sure. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how to end the podcast after such a, um, deep and, uh, real quote. What would you suggest? I would suggest just ending it. Let people sit with what, Juna Barnes had to say and realize that that's where the women are at. They are speaking out so much because this country has made them, to some extent, maybe ashamed of who they are or has painted them as lesser than. Feel for the Game is an Area Code production. Produced and edited by Nick Thompson and Noah Kirby. Follow Feel for the Game on Instagram at Feel for the Game Pod. And to learn more about Feel for the Game and Area Code, visit areacodenetwork.com.
This is an area code podcast.